With this week's Press Lunch and Audio, you're going to hear from head coach Mike McIntyre and defensive back Ryan Muller. Yeah, Mark's still eating back there. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, uh, of course, uh, you know, in our country this week is pretty amazing, isn't it? 9-11, um, and then all the floods, all the tornado, everything that's going on um, puts everything in perspective, um, that's for sure. I thought we, um, our guys uh, had an intense practice today. Um, they were getting after it out there, which was good to see. Um, I love the weather, and uh, they're, they're excited about playing at home at Folsom again this Saturday. Um, so I'll take any questions at this time. Just wondering, you as a coach, how did you prepare for preparing all week for a game, having it get canceled? What would you do to kind of make up that time, I guess, if you were in Northern Colorado's position? Yeah, well, we, we did it uh, here our first year when we had the flood. Um, and uh, we were going to play Fresno. We didn't play them, so we prepared. And then I think we, I think we made a decision. Didn't we make it Thursday morning? I believe it was, it was Friday, morning. Friday morning. Friday morning, and we kept. And then it was just, you know, it was the right decision. There was no doubt um, um, here in the area, and it, that was a tough, tough time. Um, so we prepared for them, and then the next week we started preparing for the next game. But uh, it was interesting that whole weekend, um, Rick George and I were on the phone. Friday evening, all day Saturday, Sunday, um, trying to get an opponent, um, and there was about eight teams that fit our, um, you know, that could fit in there, and we were only able to get one of them to play us, and that was uh, Charleston Southern. They were undefeated when we played them um, too, and ranked uh, high in one double A. Um, and uh, um, it's funny, we paid for their lights for their stadium. Um, they still have them there. People tell me that they go, "Hey, our lights in our stadium," and. Uh, because that's how much we had. They said uh, um, Rick and them bargained, it, got it back down, and talked about it, and they, and they ended up paying, I, I don't know, eight hundred something thousand dollars of how much their lights were going to cost. And they said, well, it's worth doing it. Um, and uh, that was the only game they lost during the regular season until the playoffs um, that year. So, um, yeah, so we worked on it. That you, you just get you're working on, them, and then you can take extra time. They knew a little bit earlier, so they could take extra time to prepare for us. And I imagine they probably took a day off to kind of let their kids recover a little bit, and then went back at it. There's been a lot of talk since Saturday's game about stepping up into the pocket, referring to Steven Montez and the changes uh-huh. he made from first half to second half. Right. As a quarterback, is that like a graduate-level graduate, graduate level skill, stepping up in the pocket? Talk about that well, for, um, for a quarterback. In all fairness to Steven, you know, the year before um, we were able to do, we went. Back, I went back and watched some of the film against him again against Oregon, Oregon State, um, and some of the things we did. And all fairness to Stephen, when he was in high school, he started as a ninth grader. Um, he was the biggest, the fastest, most athletic guy on the field. And when people rushed him, he could see them and make them miss, you know, and knock them down and run around them and throw the ball. So he, that's what he's kind of ingrained in him. Now, um, you know, we 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 sat down and talked him and I right before halftime, right before we went in, and uh, talked about it. And I said, hey, you just got to sit in there and trust it. And I said, now, I don't want to take away your playmaking ability at all. I said, but you got to sit in there and understand what a flash is and what a free guy is and just trust him. And if you get hit some in the pocket, you'll get hit some in the pocket. But you'll naturally get out of there some. And he did. He sat in there in the pocket good, and then there was one, I think, in the third quarter there where he was able to scramble out and made a play when he did get a rush. Um, so uh, 
uh, it's just him doing it over and over. And, and I thought that he, I thought he grew up a lot there in that second half, being able to do that. Uh, I really do, and, and trust it, and, and look downfield. And uh, I thought that he did that, and he's been doing a good job in, pra in practice this week, doing it also. You know, some guys can't run well enough to get out of the pocket, you know. So you, you always hear that. Well, he's just a pocket passer. He can't make any plays. You know, if the pocket breaks down, he can't. Well, he, he's able to make plays if the pocket breaks down. We just got to get him to stay in there. And that's him just getting comfortable with it, and he, and he will. Because he has a strong enough arm to throw it out of there. Were you aware of the conversation he had with Tyler after he spoke with you? With, the, with the, Tyler? Yeah, he said that when he spoke with you, he wasn't quite sure what you were saying. So he went to Tyler, and Tyler told him, Hey, be like me. I'm not fast. I have to stay in the pocket. So just stay there like me. Try to be like me. Were you aware of that? Um, no, I wasn't aware of it. Um, no, and I thought he understood what I said. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I'm, whatever works, works. I, as, all you need is results, right? So. Mike, this Northern Colorado game is part of a Pac-12 pilot program to reduce yeah. times overall. Um, you know, Larry Scott's been a big proponent of that, I mean, obviously putting this in place. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think college football games last too long at times? And, and do you think what you're going to do on Saturday might be something you could do? Right. Um, well, when I was in the NFL, I think we had 12-minute quarters, um, and it went so fast. And then when I came back to college, it seemed like we were there forever. Um, I, def I do think, to me, we all the coaches, basically all the coaches in the Pac-12, I don't think anybody were against it. I might, there might be one. But they weren't against a 15-minute half halftime um and uh i think that would be something that would be good um uh you know as long as we don't do things that cut down what's happening in actually in the game right now we're cutting down a little bit of commercial time you know i, I was uh flipping the channels the other day i think it might have been a soccer game or a baseball game and they had a commercial on while the game was on like i don't know if you'll split those split things and so you, know, you can kind of see the commercial and kind of see it and we're kind of used to multitasking now anyway. You can look at the score. You can look at the ticker tape. You can, so I think maybe they'll put more of that in. Um, but it's all television-driven. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. Um, people stay in there watching. And especially us on the West Coast, you know, um, playing a late game, we want people to stay in tune. If we have a real long halftime and we have a lot of long commercials in the first half, they look at their clock in the, in the East Coast and they go, oh, my gosh, I'm going to bed. I'll find out what the score is in the morning. But if they can go, hey, I can stay up through this, I think that's the whole idea, I believe. And, uh, and, um, and I think, you know, there has been talk um, also amongst the coaches, and they've been brought it up, that, you know, in pro football you don't stop the clock on the first down. But in college football you do, and then you reset it and it gets going. There's been talk about doing that um, and until maybe the last two minutes of the game and put it back like it normally is because they stop the clock in the NFL when you go out of bounds in the last two minutes, all that type of stuff. So there's been talk about that, which would cut down. That would affect the game a little bit because it would cut down a number of plays. But I think as fast as people are playing, uh, it might not make as big a difference. Kind of a two-part follow-up to that. When you're on the field, you're coaching the game. Yep. You know, last year you guys played Stanford, and it goes under three hours. And right. A few weeks later, you're almost three hours and 40 minutes. Can you tell a difference when you're on the field? And two, 15 minute halftime, any effect on the players in terms of recovery? Did, is there any sort of thought about how that might No, I, honestly, I think if you ask most of the players, if there was a restroom on the sidelines, they wouldn't want to run all the way in. They'd like to go there, get a drink of water, get some fluids, go to the restroom, relax for a minute, warm up and down the side, and go back in and play. I think a lot of times, the only thing that they, we do a lot of times in the locker room when it's a really hot game is sometimes kids get IVs um, and, or, or they change their jerseys and all that type of stuff. 
when I played, which was a long time ago, you know, we had those gray T-shirts, and they would get soaking wet. We would change them after warm-ups. We would change them all the time. Our pants were heavier. They'd be soaking wet. We'd even change our pants. But now everything's so light, absorbing, all the Under Armour stuff and Nike stuff that's so absorbent to your body. It's just they, don't, they, don't, they have any sweat on them. So um, back when I played a long time ago when we had leather helmets, you know, you had to change your helmet and everything. So. <laughs> Coach, you mentioned that Kyle Evans is expected back. Yeah. Michael Atkins healthy and Bo Bishrat mm -hmm. being developed. How do you kind of see Kyle fitting back into the mix? Um, we're going to throw him in there on the mix on special teams, and we'll throw him in there at running back and, uh, and just see how it all works out. Um, you know, Michael's been playing good. Bo's been playing good. Kyle's good. Um, fortunately, everybody stayed healthy, but usually running backs get nicked up, and you're going to need – all those guys significant times during the season at different times. So just have them all prepared to go, and then they're all playing on special teams and doing some different things also. Mike, at the beginning of the – you were talking about uh, Isaac Miller. Yeah. And he found another tackle. So what do you do with him going forward now with, uh, with Jeremy Bax? Are you trying to mix those guys in? Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll mix them around. It gives us more options on our offensive line and then able to have some more depth to keep us fresh in different times. Um, so, uh, yeah, it gives us moving pieces. And, you know, we, we played Jeremy also um, all spring at guard a lot. Um, and uh, so he could play guard. We've got multiple things we can do there. That gives you flexibility. Um, and then, you know, we played uh, Timmy Lanot at center, you know, in the fourth quarter. And that was good. So you, you always want to try to get your best five out there at different ways. And then if you can keep – if you can rotate a couple guys in, which offensive line and secondary don't rotate much because all the things. But – if they've played a lot and they got a lot of snaps on your belt, then you can do that. So um, we have the flexibility to be able to do that. So, and I think it creates a lot of competition too. Mike, um, this is the final game in non-conference play. Obviously, uh -huh. conference play starts in a couple weeks. Uh, as a coach, I'm sure you have a list of concerns and worries like you do every week. What, what are you hoping would be a, on that short list of things you'd hope your team would accomplish this week? Well, I'd like for us to put together, a, a, you know, um, what I would say a full game on all phases the whole entire time that we can. Um, um, and you always want to see that in every game. I think every coach in America says that after every game or says that going into a game. So it's, it is cliche-ish, but it's also true. You just kind of want to see good rhythm everywhere and, and everybody doing well. Um, and uh, so that's what we'd like to see. Um, you know, I'd like to see us our coverage units on special teams. I'd like to see them make a jump. Um, our guys have been kicking so good and doing things so good. We've had some errors that you see on film, but we haven't had it exploited. And I'd like to be able to fix those things before it exploits us. And then, you know, so those are some things that we're really working hard at trying to sharpen up. Because we kick so many out of the end zone, you know, if they come up, there's a couple of times we, we didn't cover correctly. We fit inside a guy or fit outside a guy and, try to, and showing the kids that over and over. Um, we need to make sure we, we've worked on it. We've got to hone that up. Our punters punted the ball phenomenal and punted where the guys couldn't return it. And, but they're going to have some they can return. We've got to be able to do that. So I would like to see our coverage units on our special teams uh, sure up some more this week. Mike, Northern Colorado, I think it's like their 10 or 11, 11th season in the FCS after yep. the jump from Division Two. Your guys coach at a lot of levels. What do you sort of make of a program like that, trying to be ambitious and, and to make that next jump? And it was tough for them. You know, they lost a lot of games and right. starting a couple of good seasons together. But just from your position, what do you make of what they've tried to do and, and kind of what might be the future for them? Yeah, I, I thought it's a good move for them. Um, you know, it's an excellent school up there. They've had great football history there. Um, I was at a school called University of Tennessee Martin, and they were a Division II program 
that went to Division, well, we called it 1AA then, that's what I still call it. Um, and uh, so um, I was in the second year of that type of situation, so I kind of know what they went through. Um, and you, it takes a while to build it up, and it took UT Martin a while to build it up. Um, you know, Coach Collins and them had a good year last year. They had a phenomenal quarterback, and um, and so this year they're, you know, they started out 1-0, and and so I, I feel like he has turned the corner, so to speak. Now he probably he wants to climb up in the top of the um, big sky, which is a very, which is an excellent one uh, AA um, league, um, no doubt about it. So you know they kind of they didn't just jump into one AA league; they jumped into one of the very best. And uh, so that make that also takes a little bit longer to kick to catch up. But I definitely think they have. They beat some of those teams last year, and and their talent every year looks better and better. I guess a follow up to my question about Isaac. How close are you to finding your best five offensive linemen, or has it been tough with not having Jeremy be in that mix? Um, uh, I think we know who our seven guys are, and then we'll um, seven to eight guys are, um, and be able to move those guys around. I don't know if we completely settle on who the best five are, and if if, if it's a guard tackle combination, or if it's keeping that tackle because they got to do it a little bit in the games before more than the games. But I think we're closer to that now that Isaac got to start playing. I thought that was good. Coach, has the level of your defense surprised you at all? I mean, your red zone defense nine plays net minus two yards. I don't. Coming into the season, I'm sure you expected to be good, but did you expect them to not not allow a touchdown through the first two games? Um, I expect us for all 12 games not to allow a touchdown. No. <laughs> um, uh, no. What I've somebody they, I got that question asked to me on the phone on a phone comp, um, Pac-12 comp, similar question. And that's what I was most surprised about about the defense. What I've been most surprised about is we haven't really totally blown a coverage, totally blown a situation. We've lined up right. We've played hard. We've made checks. We've handled different situations. We've played third downs correctly. We didn't play too deep too many times. We didn't play. We didn't. We understood what was happening to us. We understand because it's kind of like an accordion. You kind of kind of. They got to make checks out there. They got to move with it. They can't just. It's not a cookie cutter thing. And as what I was most impressed with was so far that they've basically handled most all of those situations really well, which has helped us from just having a bunch of wide open guy or a, you know we had that one run the open and play the other day where we did fit that wrong. Um, thank goodness Isaiah can fly, and uh, um, but then they rallied right there, you know, and I think that's they've handled. Um, different adverse situations well and been able to line up correctly. I know that sounds simple, but it's not, um, especially when teams are going fast in multiple formations. And then they've been able to make a lot of good checks and, um, and, and different things like that that have really helped us. And that's an area I thought that they would, we'd struggle with early. When, remember I said oh, we'd have a few bonehead mistakes? We hadn't really had those. Um, and I think that's a, to me that's a credit to the players, but I think that's a huge credit to the way our um, coaching staff and Coach Elliott and them have been teaching them and some of the different things that we've been doing in our practice and our in our meetings and in our walkthroughs that I think were uh, that DJ brought um, that I think have really helped that area also. Coach, um, we've heard you speak frequently about making sure your team takes matters one week at a time. But, right. Uh, the idea of looking ahead, is that any kind of bigger challenge this week? Make sure the guys stay focused, obviously, with the game next week. I'm right. Sure everyone's looking um, to. You know, of course, everybody asks, just like you ask. Um, so that's always on their minds. Um, you, can't, they, you can't get away from that. You can't say, oh, you just tune it out. Everybody ask them. Um, but I, I, I will find out this weekend. I sure hope not. If, if, if we do, 
uh, we don't have the team that I think we have. And so, um, but this is going to be an emo- I told them this is an emotional game this weekend. It really is. Um, a lot of our kids know a lot of their kids. There's two brothers on the, in this game, you know, the Lindsay brothers. Um, so that brings a lot of energy to it. Um, and it's also a, a situation where um, a lot of the people that are coming to the game are really excited about um, Northern Colorado playing us. It's, you know, so I think that puts a little extra incentive into it, and you're going to have a lot more energy and a lot more um, than just playing if we would have just played another one double A team from Texas or something. I think there's a, it makes a, a big difference, and they know that you know the year before I got here, Sacramento State beat us. They've already watched that film. We've already showed it to them, um, and uh, Montana State beat us a few years before that. Um, and I believe that um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Northern Colorado beat Sac State last year. Um, don't quote me on that, but I think that's correct. Um, so uh, you know our kids know um, what's at stake and what can happen. You've got to always come to play. Mike, just a double back on game runtime. One last thing. One, something you mentioned, the late games going way into the night in the Pac-12 uh-huh. on the West Coast. You play at noon or a 1 p.m. game. Right. Are you uh, one of those Pac-12 after dark people? Are you going to be up till 1 a.m., 2 a.m. watching the game? <laughs> um, I'll watch some of them. But, uh, no, because I'll be back up Sunday morning and go to church and be in here to work. So I need to get my rest. And plus, I'll see the whole game on film anyway, over and over and over. Um, so, uh, but uh, I'll watch some of them, of course, um, on that side of it. But I do, I, I do enjoy 12 o'clock kickoffs. I, my favorite kickoff time is like the 3 o'clock kickoff. I like that. You can get up, get going. We can have good breakfast, meet with our guys, um, then give them some time at the pregame meal. With this one, you get up, eat breakfast. You don't have really have time to meet. You kind of just get going. Um, I know when I was in the NFL, though, um, I loved the 12 noon games because that was you had a little bit of, especially a home 12 noon game. You had a little downtime, um, but uh, I uh, I enjoy um, the afternoon games, especially in Boulder. Um, it is so beautiful here in the afternoons. It's incredible. Um, so especially October afternoons are, are spectacular. Um, but uh, seems like we play a lot of night games in October. That can be a good thing and a bad thing. It's usually last year we played the the three thirty game and then we played a seven o'clock game, which were excellent. So, whether it was something from the game on Saturday or from practice this week, do you see your team building towards playing that complete game that you want? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. I do see um, the intensity level. I do see um, the 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 fight in them. I do see uh, um, practices going uh, at the end of practice and sitting there trying to just kind of get through practice, which they don't really do, but in a, in a way you're kind of, they're kind of thinking, okay, we've got, we got one more period. Uh, I'm seeing a little bit of more competition. I'm seeing guys wanting to stay out afterwards and do a little bit of extra. Um, so I, I've, I always watch for that, and I'm seeing that. One of the freshmen that you haven't gotten to talk too much about that has played is Dante Spratka. So I was yep. wondering what have you been impressed with about him, and how did IMG Academy help him? Right. Um, I don't know how IMG Academy helped him for the situation, um, but I do know him coming in early helped him. He graduated and came in in January. Um, and uh, Dante, I remember the first time I met him, he was living in Glenwood Springs, and he came up here for camp. And he's, I think, a rising 10th grader, and he looks just like he does now. I thought he was a grown man. And uh, um, he was playing quarterback at the time. And uh, – um, now, of course, he's playing outside linebacker, and 
Dante's had a really good um, fall for us and, and played really well in the games. He's got a bright future ahead of him. He's physical. He's athletic. Uh, he's bright. Um, and he loves being at the University of Colorado. And so I'm excited about what Dante's done so far, and I think he's got an excellent career ahead of him. Coach, last thing, kind of piggybacking off what the freshman question, are there any other younger guys that you're still looking to get into the mix? or have you? Kind There's of a few guys we've got kind of sitting on the shelf, so to speak, that are practicing and, and playing their roles um, and, and just going to kind of see how injuries go. Um, I hate talking about injuries, but that's how our sport is. And so we've got to have those guys ready. And uh, it's, it's similar to kind of what they do in the NFL a little bit. you got the practice squad. You're kind of getting a couple guys ready. They're pulling guys off of other practice squads, bringing them in. You have guys you have that you don't activate in the 53, but you have them in the 53 and you're not quite ready for them. We got a guy, a couple of guys sitting there, and uh, I would imagine there'll be a couple of those guys that would end up popping up um, here in the next three or four weeks if if we have injuries. If not, then we'll have to mix and match and try to work from there. Mike, knowing Philip and the uh, Lindsay family, um, again, you mentioned the two brothers uh, playing each other this week. What do you think that, that this game means to them? You know, I know Philip's very excited about it. Is this one that you can sense some excitement with him? And, yeah, I can and sense the excitement. You know how feisty the Lindsay's are. We, we, we can't let them cross paths in warm-ups. They might have a little brother, big brother fight right there. So um, they'll be into it. Uh, you know, what a special family. Um, and uh, it's been fun watching his little brother run on film some. And uh, they, they, look a, they look very similar. He's a little bigger than Philip. And, uh, but it, it's, um, it's fun. Um, I know they're excited about it. And I know their, their, their parents are, I think, they, all three boys, one's at CSU Pueblo, I believe, one's there at UNC, and one's here at Colorado. And they, they, bleed, they bleed the state of Colorado, that family does. And um, our, our, they have made the, the Denver South community and the people there very, very proud, and they should be. They're a great, great family and great kids. What uh, specific matchups, problems does University of Northern Colorado and Ernest uh, Collins present for the team? Right. Um, I've been impressed with their quarterback. I know he was playing last year and the other guy beat him out. He can really throw it. Um, they've got uh, two receivers that are, are really fast. They've made a lot of big plays. Alex Wesley made a couple big plays um, in the first game, and he did last year. Um, um, then they got Hakeem Deggs. He'll remind you um, a, a little bit of um, Katie Nixon in a way. He's real quick and athletic, that size. Uh, he, he makes a lot of plays. And then Jacob um, Nip, he can make all the throws. I've been really impressed with his arm, uh, really impressed. Uh, I've, uh, he, he's a big, big, athletic, good, good quarterback. Defensively, um, you know, they're, they're, they're older um, in the, uh, in, at their corners. They've they got a couple corners that are good. The, uh, um, Isaiah Williams is a good pass rusher off the edge. Uh, he's made a lot of good plays for them. Um, and then they got two good linebackers, Luke Nelson and Noel Reed, that have played really well. Um, and you know they played. Uh, you know we were watching them last year. You know they beat Montana, which was a good game. They should have beat Eastern Washington, who was loaded. Um, and uh, so uh, they, they've um, played really well against some teams that have beaten some teams in our league. And uh, so I, I've been, I was impressed with their film. You know we only have the one game from this year, and they. Um, they destroyed the team. It was 28 to nothing before you blink. They just ran up and down the field on them. So I, I feel like their offense is, uh, uh, has, has the ability to score and, and, and be able to throw over the top of us, um, be able to take some shots on us. The, the quarterback has the arm, and they, they have two receivers that have the speed to, 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 to do that. 
Any other questions for coach? You mentioned Jeremy Irwin's back. I assume George yep. Frazier's also. Yeah, George's back also, yes. Um, what effect has this had on the team? Two seniors, two leaders, suspended two games off the field. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go into that, but I felt like our team responded in both games well. So. All right. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. Oh, I got one thing. I did this yesterday, but I want to make sure everybody – my mother-in-law um, passed away November 11th, uh, two years ago. My wife um, started doing this last year. It's called Hike for Her. And uh, um, it's this Sunday, September the 17th at um, 9 o'clock at the in-car Table Mesa Trail. And we'd like for you to bring your families and friends and support it. You know, it's about the battle of ovarian cancer. And uh, we had a good turnout last year. We hope to have more and more of a turnout. And uh, um, just represent, this is kind of the silent um, um, cancer that you don't find out till too late and it's something we want to bring more and more awareness to um, after living it so it's dear to our heart so hike for her um, this sunday september the 17th thank you very much appreciate it hey ryan i don't know if it's been addressed much with the team but this game you're playing is part of a pac-12 pilot program to shorten the length of games so the half time is five minutes shorter Coach, mention that with you guys. Is that something you're aware of going into the game? It's a minor detail, but might change what you guys do a little bit. Yeah, I guess <clears throat> if I'm thinking about it, the halftime did seem a little shorter. But uh, other than that, I think it just makes it a little harder to get some corrections going if you really need them. Um, but other than that, Coach Mack and the coaches around us haven't really emphasized that the uh, half times are any shorter or whatnot. But, you know, I guess my focus is elsewhere anyway, I guess. Ryan, what do you guys have to work? What does the defense have to work on this week uh, in, your, in your last conference game? Uh, you know, in order to continue to keep winning and uh, to get better on defense, we have to get better at the things that we haven't been doing so well the past weeks. You know, um, maybe things I could identify as tackling for myself. You know, I've, I've missed some tackles, and when we get in a Pac-12 play, you know, you go against Washington, the USC's, and everything. Those are going to be touchdowns when you miss those tackles. So, uh, you know, big emphasis on on fine-tuning the details while we can right now. And definitely, you know, putting the package together so we can be ready to hit the ground running, you know, with Pac-12 play next week. Ryan, two games into this newish scheme you guys are running that evaluation, kind of what do you think has it gone? I think, uh, you know, we're coming together really well. I think that it, it, it's more of a similar scheme than uh, some might think. And, you know, all defenses, each coach is going to have their own twist to whatever they want to do. And that's just going to happen. That's just life and that's just ball, right? I think everything that we're doing is pretty similar um, to a lot of things, actually, that we did last year. So it makes the whole transition a lot easier for those of us who have played last year with that scheme with Jim Levitt and now with uh, Coach Elliott. I think that, you know, we're, we're on a, a great track to, you know, elevate, you know, our level of play <clears throat> and get better each week as it goes on so that we can be that dominant force that, you know, we really strive to be. Brian, obviously versatility is one of the strengths of your game. Having Evan Worthington out there now, also a versatile guy, how has that dynamic changed kind of your responsibility out there in games? You know, having Evan around is a, is a great addition to the team, you know, and, and he's been around before, right? And him, him being around, being able to, to help us out on, you know, many different facets like special teams, um, defense. He's uh, just that, that extra body that we can rely on to get the work done that we need done. So we can uh, insert here, you know, it's kind of like X in the equation. And 
Uh, he's done a, a very good job of, of learning the defense, you know, after taking some time off, and um, he uh, definitely hasn't wavered any any bit. Right, I think I saw yesterday um, you guys are one of only maybe three or four teams that haven't allowed a touchdown so far this season. When you hear that, is that surprising? Is that what you expected? It seems pretty unbelievable. Well, you know, the defense, when we go out there, we expect to, to make stops. So the fact that they have, that we haven't let up a touchdown yet isn't surprising, um, you know, and it's something that we should strive to carry on through the entire season. Now, like, I haven't thought about that statistic or heard anyone else bring it up until now, but, you know, I, I'm proud of, of what everyone's done. I'm proud of the work that we're getting, that we're getting in and, and, and all the changes that we're making to, to be a better team so that we can continue that. I think, you know, football football is a volatile game, you know, and stuff's going to go. You know, sometimes it goes down uh, the chute when we really don't need it to, and other times it, it works out well. So I think, you know, it's a great it's a great statistic for now. But uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to see, you know, the, the fourth down stops, the third down stops, the three and outs, everything else that we can produce, the turnovers, you know, on defense, everything that, you know, will keep us through the rest of the season as well as not letting them score touchdowns. You know, I think that's just the maturity and being older. I think that you, know, you, have, a, you have a little better understanding as the years go on. Um, I think if I were to talk to freshman self, freshman Ryan, he might look a little more like a deer in headlights at times. But... Not saying that doesn't happen now, but that's why now you, you got to ask the questions, and you have to ask questions then too. And I think, uh, you know, the big difference between maturity and a player is being able to ask those questions and really see the the things unfold in front of your eyes. You, you have to like visualization is huge, and um, you know uh, the preparation that I've taken from day one since I've gotten here at Colorado, you know, has put me and helped elevate me to be where I am today. And uh, I'm definitely not looking to settle right now, and I'm trying to, you know, continue to elevate my play. Any other questions for Ryan? Thank you, Ryan. Cool.